0: You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 103. Talk about skills you need to teach online with Lynn Resnick. Lynn Resnick is an educator turned photographer whose own love story and marriage inspires her to document the love of other soulmates. She finds joy in supporting her couples and connecting with industry peers. Lynn's goal is to support couples throughout the planning process and to capture their unique love and wedding day vision in timeless imagery. Always an educator at heart. Lynn is committed to building opportunities for connection and learning within the wedding industry and beyond. She recently launched her first online course called the Wedding Client Experience Academy and enjoys mentoring and coaching new wedding pros one-on-one and in hands-on workshops. And today, Lynn is here to talk all about that little voice in your head that says, who, me? I don't know that I could teach online. We're gonna be talking about online courses for the next couple of weeks because it's something so near and dear to my heart and business. And so I hope you'll join us on this mini focus onto online courses. So grab your notebook for this one, friends. Go grab your tea and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallo, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that wanna help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey, friends. We're back. I mean, not the podcast. Obviously, we've never gone away. I'm talking about weddings. At least here in Los Angeles, I can tell you we are all experiencing the whiplash and the crush of client expectations, in-person meetings, and Like Well, all the things big and small that we do for our businesses every day. One of the best things I ever did for my own business was to outsource as soon as I was able. So now that bookings are back, you might also be feeling the pull to outsource. And so I want to remind you about our good friends at Bench. Bench is not just bookkeeping anymore, but they are now an all-in-one tax and bookkeeping solution at prices that honestly can't be beat. With Bench, you get one-on-one expert support from a real human, you get powerful financial reporting, and stress-free tax filing, as well as historical bookkeeping for clients who might need to get caught up fast. Also, when you work with Bench, you can partner with Lending Club for your business bank account. No monthly fees, no minimum balance, you guys, just total control over your small business finances. And since we're all heading back to work, now's the time to get your payroll in order. And Bench has an awesome partnership with Gusto. I use all of these things in my business every day. And because you are a listener of this show, you can get 30% off your first three months. Just go to reneedallo.com forward slash bench. That's reneedallo.com forward slash bench. Let's get back to work and let's get to outsourcing, baby. Now... On with the show. Hello, hello, friends. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. That's me, your host, Renee Dallow. I mean, where else would I be, right? Uh, this week, we are joined by the very lovely Lynn Resnick. Lynn, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Renee. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, we're going to nerd out today listeners, and talk about one of my favorite topics, which if you've been here for any length of time, you already know that I could talk about this at length. We are talking about skills that will help you teach online courses. Lynn, I am thrilled for this topic.
1: Me too. I'm so passionate about this. Uh, got a background in education, and so this makes me super happy to nerd out with you today.
0: So I love that you started as an educator and then you became a photographer, which is so unlike my journey, which is like, I've never been an educator. I started as a wedding planner and then became an educator. So like, oh, I just love this different perspective. What made you decide to like take the leap into online courses?
1: It was really missing the element of teaching. I loved teaching. I taught high school Mm. for 10 years and had a great time doing it. I always knew that I wouldn't like retire after 35 years doing that though, that was just never like my long-term goal, but I had no idea what I wanted to do next. And so when photography came around, I poured myself into that, but I just found myself really missing the opportunity to mentor, to support. I love being able to pour into students. And so decided that I needed to kind of merge my two passions together and why not go for an online course?
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, that is I think that's how we all get into education, right? It's like we have something inside us that needs to share what we know with others. I wonder though, because what happened to me is a a combination of that, of course, but then also people kept asking me for help. Did you find that true for you as well? Yeah, definitely got those questions
1: for everyone's favorite question to pick your brain, right? And then also (laughs) started to get a lot of, in the photography realm, newer photographers who were just kind of reaching out out of the blue and asking if they could second shoot for me or carry my bags or things like that, and just looking for opportunities to learn that way. And so it definitely became a more prevalent thing, and it's not a really fruitful endeavor to just take someone along, right? There's no good way to do that on a wedding day, yeah. to have somebody there for just one day as a one-off. So long-term mentorship, I'm a big supporter of, and then I think doing you know the education route is that other side.
0: Yeah, I agree. I get asked a lot for people to, like, shadow me on a wedding day, and I've done it a handful of times, like, I've done it, like, three times with local people, and it's never... I don't know. It's, I don't think it's ever the experience they think it's going to be. And I feel like they're disappointed because I don't have any time to sit and teach while I'm in the middle. And I'm hoping that they can gleam enough from the experience. But oftentimes it's just left with like a, OK, so what now? And I'm like, well, do you have any questions about anything you saw? And then and maybe that's sor- sort of where the education can come in. But it's it's never enough. And I so I agree with you on that 100%.
1: Yeah, it's just tricky when you're doing it for one time. I also think it's so relational with our with working with couples and supporting couples and as a photographer, you're literally with the couple for, you know, several hours throughout the day, kind of from getting ready right through the reception. And so if I also want to vet that person that I'm going to have with me too. I don't mean that to sound at all negative, but you just need to make sure it's a good fit. It's a personality fit. They're going to bring the right energy to the day and doing that as a one-off, just, I just found that didn't work. So I really liked the idea of being able to, you know, commit to somebody long-term for mentorship, but then also be able to reach more than one person by sharing education in a different format, like a broader forum.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that wedding day, the wedding day help is a vibe for sure, for sure. So, all right, let's get into talking about the skills that we need in order to teach online, because I know that there are listeners out there who, during the pandemic, were thinking about pivoting. Maybe they didn't feel super confident about it, right? They may or may not have started an online course. I get, I get emails from people all the time that are like, well, I started and I have an outline, but I didn't do anything else. And so my hope with this episode and, and with talking to you, Lynn, is to sort of give people a a little bit of a boost to say like, you might not even know you have these skills and you might already have them.
1: Yes, I totally agree. I think we generally do have the skills and if you don't, you can learn them. And I hope we can dive into them and help shed some light on them today to get people you know, moving again. Awesome.
0: So first thing let's talk about is like the different ways people learn, right? Because when we talk about online courses, I think everyone gets an image in their head of an online course that they've taken, right? So- um, we all think it's just been our own experience. But I know myself, I'm kind of an education junkie. I've taken, I mean, I don't even want to count how many online courses, probably 100 at least. And the formats can be very different. And what I learned over time is that the way I receive information also changes. So what are what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, one of the things that I had to take a class on, you know, way back in college for when I was getting my education degree were on multiple learning styles and gardeners, multiple intelligences. So we know that people have different strengths in different areas. And um, there are four main ones that I tend to focus on. And I think that we do. We have each of them. We all have each of them, but that there tends to be ones that we are really heavily into one over the other and that's kind of that sweet spot for how we're going to really be able to process and keep that information that we're learning.
0: Yeah like I I know for myself I'm a big reader right I I mean I could read a book a week if I if I had the the time and space right so for me when an online course has like and here's a whole syllabus for you to read along I'm like yes thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, reading
1: and writing, that's definitely one of the four kind of major ones that I always think about when thinking about different learning styles. I'm a big writer too, which is why when I go to conferences and things, I always bring an old school notebook and a pen with me because I remember so much more of what I write down than if I'm typing notes. Plus it's eliminating, you know, that need to like check my email and multitask, which is just kind of the death to all actual comprehension for me. Yeah,
0: I'm the same um, way. I'm a reader, I'm a writer, I'm a journaler. Um, and I think anything I write longhand always sticks more. And my, my clients, actually, my wedding planning clients sometimes giggle at me because, you know, we have very robust like CRM software, but I'll still take like a clipboard with actual printed out like timelines to our meetings so that I can jot down notes. And they're like, oh, I thought you were paperless. I'm like, listen, I'm I'm always trying to be paperless, but it's probably never gonna happen. <laughs> Right? Sometimes the paper is what you need. Yeah. Okay. So reading and writing is one. I feel strongly about that. I know visual is another. Absolutely.
1: And that's when I think that creatives in the wedding industry in particular and just creatives in general will really flock to as the one that a lot of people would say that they are. And besides the writing for me, visual is definitely next. So, you know, being able to see slides or um, watch those YouTube videos that tell you how to do something Taking you through it step by step with those directions, right? That's why IKEA does those directions without <laughs> words. <laughs> yes, because there are so many visual learners. Um, and another one is auditory, which speaks to how successful podcasts are. these Right. Days, I mean, it technically, are
0: consumers? Yeah, it's what everyone's doing right now. So pat yourself on the back. You're you're learning auditorially or auto that yeah. auditorially. You're an auditory. There you learner. go. That's what I meant <laughs> we're to, to go say. With that. We'll go with that. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And then the last one that's kind of a big group is a kinesthetic learner. And this just means that you learn by doing, getting in there and trying it yourself. That's going to be the best way for you to kind of remember the material. It can also mean that you are active while taking in information. So that might mean that instead of listening to podcasts when you're driving To remember that information better you need to be on a run or doing a workout or cooking something anything Mm -hmm. that kind of has you active can also help you to just kind of hone your mind in and process that information as a kinesthetic learner
0: you know as you say this i believe that i am a reading writing and kinesthetic learner because i will tell you i cook a lot i love cooking it's like one of the things that i find pretty meditative and if i'm watching a bon appetit cooking video Do you know that I have to watch it multiple times and then watch it every time I cook that thing again? But if I were to read the recipe, I'd probably remember it more. Isn't that amazing? Yes, that is a perfect example, right? Yeah, I just thought about that because my husband always laughs at me too, because there's like this one particular bon appetit dish and he'll be like, oh, make that again. And I'm like, I got to find the video. And he's like, seriously, you still have to find the video? I'm like, yeah, I can't remember. And it's not even a complicated recipe. It's just like, there's something in my brain that makes me think like, well, that'll be there for me later. So I don't have to really like invest in it maybe i don't know interesting
1: yeah and if your number one strength is in reading and writing and you know that then whenever you really want to commit that to memory because you're going to travel and you don't want to have to worry about it like yeah write it, write down, it down and you know you have it
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny too because like even when i was an actor when i was doing you know theater full-time like professionally um i would always write out my lines longhand yeah to learn yeah. them to
1: memorize them yeah, yeah to yeah, memorize them yeah exactly how funny
0: When we are creating online courses, do you think it's probably a smart move, right, to sort of somehow engage with all of these learning styles in the one course? Yes,
1: I definitely do. I think if you can diversify your lessons and, you know, hit multiple learning styles in each lesson or over the course of different lessons, you're going to have a really strong course that speaks to all learners and is going to keep everybody engaged just from, like, the diversity of not doing the same thing for 10 lessons in a row or 20 lessons in a row. Right.
0: So if we break that down into online courses for that, we mean, so visual could be slides or it could be yourself on camera, right? Yep. Yep. And auditory is just like talking over the slides or maybe a separate podcast that relates.
1: Yes. Or it could just be that you offer, you know, both, file formats. So if you have slides that you're covering or it's you talking on camera, I would think especially for that, if you can break the audio out of that and offer it as a podcast file as well, that's just purely audio. If you also think about like the way that we live our lives and how busy we are right now, I hope no one is watching those videos of you talking right when they're in the car, but they could definitely (laughs) be consuming that stuff podcast format in the car.
0: <laughs> I mean, in Los Angeles, you probably you probably probably could with all the traffic, but no, we don't recommend it, obviously. Um, <laughs> exactly, not, not recommended. recommended. What do you think about the kinesthetic learning style though? How do you do that on an online course? So, for
1: me, I think about that as people needing to stop and and implement mm. before reaching the end. So, how can you make an online course somehow interactive? Maybe there's a slide where you're saying, okay, pause this presentation here, take out a pen and pencil and do this brainstorming activity or go, you know, create this email that you're telling them to create or whatever that might be. But is there a place or places where you can actually stop them um, and have them actively participate In the lesson that you're doing.
0: I love that. Would you also consider like, hey, there's a worksheet that goes with this lesson, print it out and follow along or like print it out and maybe journal along? Yes. I think
1: that's a great way to do it. Whether it's journaling. I know know, people do workbooks as Mm -hmm. well. And so if you had a whole workbook and it's going to kind of lead them through, but thinking about for each lesson, something that they can be doing to forward their own goals and implement the things that you're teaching, like right as you're going along that's great. I love that.
0: And then reading and writing, you would say that would be like an ebook version of a course?
1: Yeah, ebook version. You can even think about it as um, if you're dropping new material or if you have a section where you're just going to have, maybe you have the transcripts for the audio and visual that you are providing because you know that some people really like to read and write and wanna be able to like go and highlight the pieces they want or something like that. Um, It could just be transcribing
0: them and offering them in that way as well. Yeah, I love that. I I will say that, um, so one of the courses I took, a sales course I took with Maria Baer, she has all of her lessons transcribed in these, it's beautiful, like it ends up when you print it out looking like basically a textbook and I have it printed out in a binder and it's right next to my desk. And because it's sales tactics, I pull out that binder all the time and look at it before a sales call or when I'm doing a proposal. I would imagine, I mean, I'm just guessing now because I actually don't know, but in the last couple of years, I probably haven't gone back to watch the videos again, but I have read it again, which has been really powerful too. Yeah, that's a brilliant
1: way to do it. Now you have this handbook that you can actually turn to. Yeah, I love that. I love that.
0: Okay, so we're looking at our online course. We're addressing these multiple learning styles. How do I because I know there's people out there, I know, because I get the emails that are like, I have this idea, I kind of started, I didn't really finish, I don't know what to do next. How do we organize our thoughts to get them out of our brain and into the course?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is the key, right? Right. (laughs) How do I take all these great ideas I have and actually make them digestible for someone else? (laughs) Um, So the first thing is kind of starting with the end in mind. You want to have a learning outcome or a learning goal that is measurable and clear so asking yourself at the very start it's not just like a general concept right if you're thinking about like wedding planning and making a course for that there are a million different things you could have put in that course and you can't put all of them or i would argue you shouldn't put all of those things in one course agreed (laughs) right but there's got to be a few things depending on the level of this course who is it for what's who's your intended audience so asking who's your intended audience and what should your students know and be able to do by the end of your course I love that get those goals really clear so that you can then
0: plan To help them meet those goals by the end. I love that. So like for my wedding management course, when I started, my whole goal with that course was to get wedding planners to move away from day of coordination and to after the course, be able to implement and change their service package to wedding management. Like it has to be that specific. Otherwise, I think for at least for my mind, it's too much material (laughs) to cover, like you said. Exactly. Specific and then
1: also measurable. That's really clear. Were they able to make this shift or not? So you
0: and your students are going to know if they've achieved success and moved the needle. Yeah. And then, so even with something like wedding management, right, there's a tremendous amount of information that needs to be shared. How do you get it from this over, like this kind of overarching, like, oh, this is the whole idea into like piece by piece by piece? Yeah. So chunking
1: material is really helpful. Mm. And basically that's just Taking all those big ideas or those several things, breaking them into smaller, digestible pieces, or bucketing them together into related items. So, your goal is going to be to create a series of lessons or units or, you know, modules or whatever the word is these days in online courses for students to be able to go through one by one that. Is going to teach them a little slice of what they need to know, and it's going to build on itself. So I know, you know, some of the the methods. I think actually Amy Porterfield, who is like queen of online courses, That's she'll right. talk about using a post-it note method yeah. where you just brain dump all your stuff. <laughs> yeah, I personally love that that concept and fully support it. I do it actually for my goal setting each year. I do it on on index cards because I want to be able to move them around and lump things together or throw things out and it's just really nice to be able to manipulate them. It's good for our kinesthetic learners too. That's right. Um, So that's a great way to do it because once you lay out all the ideas and all the things that students are going to need to know and be able to do to make it to their final goal, right, of moving that needle in a clear way, you can then start to organize it. Well, what makes sense to come first, right? They can't, run before they can walk. So we wanna make sure that they have the walking down first and then we're gonna introduce the running, right? To the next step, to the next step.
0: Yeah, what was helpful for me too, cause I also, you know, I'm a big Amy Porterfield devotee and I'm an ambassador for DCA as everyone here probably already knows. Um, what was helpful for me with the post-its was that I was able to kind of step back and say, okay, if I didn't know anything about this concept, what would I need to know first? Because I think sometimes when we're teaching what we know so well, um, at least I know I've gotten tripped up in the well, well, they already know that, and they probably don't already know it, <laughs> even if it seems basic.
1: Yes, I would always say start with vocabulary. Come up with common language that you're gonna use throughout your course, or if there are terms that you, you know, anticipate they already know. take the time in some of your first lessons to actually define those words. And come up with common language so that as you are teaching down the road, people aren't still confused from a very foundational concept that they needed way back in lesson one and just wasn't clear.
0: That's brilliant. Because especially in the wedding industry, we love our weird acronyms, don't we? STD, oh, we sure do. I When I came into the wedding industry, well, I came in from hospitality. So some of them I knew, but there were definitely a moment where I was like, are we really going to call it an STD? Really? Okay. Like, but you know, and now it's normal to me. And I kind of apologize to my clients about it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the acronym. For those who listening who don't know what I'm talking about, STD equals save the date. uh, We need a better acronym. But you're so right is that we want, if you want it to be accessible, if you want people to trust you as their educator, get foundational 100%. Now I want to go back to wedding management and put in a whole glossary at the beginning. I might, Lynn, I might do it. You might've inspired me to do that.
1: I love that. You should make it a little bonus thing. That'd be great.
0: (gasps) Oh my God, Lynn, I'm going to do it. I love it. All right. So tell (laughs) me, I want to talk more. uh, uh, This is funny. I want to talk more about the, about less is more, because I will tell you when I was doing my first course, I... I went wild. There was like, I remember there was one outline that was like 12 modules long. And I was like, what am I doing? This is too much. And I had to pare back. And if I'm being really, really honest with myself and with you guys, there is one lesson in wedding management that I think is kind of an outlier, but I'm so passionate about it that I had to leave it in, which is that partial planning is bullshit, but we can get that's a whole other Oprah. (laughs) But it's like, it's enough. It's like just adjacent enough that I know people are thinking about it because I'm asking them to go from day of coordination and wedding management. I don't talk about full planning and I wanted to address partial because I don't even offer it, you know? So to me, it made sense. But when you look at the outline, it's like, well, that seems like an outlier. So how do you get, I don't know, how do you get so focused on it? Well, I will tell you that I have probably
1: three courses that never got created because of this exact
0: problem well not created not created yet they might in the future they will not look like what i anticipated though because i was trying to stuff like every
1: single possible thing into them and got myself overwhelmed and just quit so i completely understand this issue personally Um, but no i think that you know asking that question going back to the learning outcomes and making sure that you have a focused learning outcome for your students. What do they need to know and what are they going to do? If it doesn't directly serve that, doesn't directly answer, help answer one of those two questions, it doesn't need to be in your course. So that's like the number one thing. Keep coming back to that. If you set those first, they're going to be kind of a barometer for you. And then the other thing is to remember that you know, this is, I'm in my 10th year of business. So the things that I have learned over 10 years, I'm not going to put every single one of those things into a course for a new photographer. Right. Which is what I was trying to do and why that course does not exist yet. Right. So that just doesn't even make sense. There are just things that didn't even relate to my life as a photographer until year eight that right. they just don't need in year one. Right. And so thinking really about kind of, what are the foundational things or what are the essentials that are going to answer those questions that I'm trying to address in this particular course? And then maybe what's the bonus or the, the tangent piece? I think it's fine to pause like you were talking about and you have this one that's a little bit of a tangent lesson that you really wanted to address. Right. Like that's great and hit pause and do that and bring it in. But then if maybe there's a whole other course waiting to be created,
0: it's possible around. It's possible. I here's a question I have for you about sort of about this issue as well about like, I, I sort of feel in the work I've done with other online, you know, course creators and other wedding pros kind of moving into that space. I feel like sometimes we have the impulse to share everything we know. Because maybe there's a fear that like, that we're not doing this right, quote unquote. I'm making air quotes. You can't see me. You know what I mean? Or like we we (laughs) want to over deliver because we're like fearful that like maybe this isn't enough or maybe it's not connecting or maybe they're not getting it. And I think maybe that's where it stems from. So that's the first thing I'd like to ask you about. But then two, what do you do with... um, Because I know there's people listening right now who are thinking like, okay, that's all well and good, but I don't think I know enough to teach a course about anything. Or like, I have an idea, but I feel like imposter syndrome coming in.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's definitely... I think, a reality for all of us, right? I think it's part of even just being a creative and being a human being. We always are going to question that. It may be helpful to start, you know, by introducing yourself in your course and share what gives you expertise so that you can also convince yourself and then put that aside and share what you know. I think we get in our own heads more and don't trust that you know, our life experience, our work experience, the consumption of podcasts and (laughs) articles and books and all of the things that we're doing, they give us an opportunity to internalize and to teach. And we need to get over that for ourselves more than our students need to get over it or our potential students. Mm -hmm. If you can speak confidently on something and, you know, share what works for you, I think that's actually maybe just to, switch gears a little bit and think about this for a second. It's also in how you are pitching and delivering the material. Are you saying this is the end-all be-all that's 100% going to work for everyone? (laughs) Or are you saying, here's what I did, here's what worked for me, and I want to show you how this might be able to work for you as well? Or are you saying, like, you're going to make a million
0: dollars in 30 days? Right, (laughs) right, right, (laughs) yes. Because, because, Because then you're presenting something that seems unrealistic and perhaps inauthentic, and i think that already like the audience goes okay well i'm suspicious of this i'm skeptical of this but if you come in like you said saying hey i this worked for me i made it into a system i'm going to teach it to you step by step hopefully it'll work for you then i think we can all just agree that like we're all we're taking a risk on both sides right perhaps exactly but it's
1: also like my success in doing it this way right is so, is proof already right that there is right. Some validity to what I'm going to teach you. But I think that more kind of coming at it from a place with a little bit more humility Mm -hmm. is going to make people just naturally trust you more because of course there's no silver bullet that makes you a million dollars in (laughs) 30 days. So isn't it much more realistic that we need to give something a try, but you know, I've thought this through, I've tried this, I've made mistakes and learned from them, and now I'm going to share them so that you don't make
0: those same mistakes. Absolutely. And as far as the imposter syndrome stuff goes, because I agree with you, we all, I mean, every day, right? Like all the time, especially I'm a big fan of like, I have 8 million ideas. I'm at Enneagram 3. I'm constantly in motion. And a lot of times I'm just like, "Eh, we'll see what happens. Let's try it. Right. Let's go for it. And so I feel like I'm constantly in a state of like, well, it may or may not work. And and there is always a little bit of imposter syndrome there but what i always lean back on in those moments is that you know for better or for worse the things that i teach are all through my lens right so i i might take a concept so we have a course on consult calls right like a mini course on doing consult calls on video with with clients and that's something i've been doing for years and years and years and maybe some of the concepts in there are taught elsewhere, but they're not taught by me through my perspective with my twist on it. So when you had said earlier about like, we're all digesting information all the time, like all the podcasts and all the articles and stuff, I agree. I think the twist is you have to make it your own.
1: That's such a great point. And it's the reason why, even though there might be another course out there, even though there might be another resource out there. If you feel called and, you know, driven to share your perspective on something and you
0: think it will help people, then do it. Exactly. Because there's a bunch of classes on wedding planning, right? There's a bunch of classes on wedding photography, but there's only one class taught by Lynn with Lynn's perspective. And that's what's important. Yes. Yes. 100%. So we talked a lot about styles of learning and skills that, you know, that we can master. What are some skills that you think people get sidetracked by or or distracted by thinking that they're more important than they are? Yes, I think that
1: there are a few that, and I know that have put me off personally and kind of made me false start as well over the years. And one of them is comfort on video. So yay podcasting. (laughs) because I don't have to look at my face. That's right. (laughs) But I think comfort on video is something that maybe Other people are getting better with just because video is taking over our social media world in so many ways. But I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. I don't think you have to be super comfortable. I think you can speak over slides or you can do it as a podcast style thing Mm -hmm. or you can turn the the screen off and deliver as you need to. Um, But you don't need to be super comfortable. You can also push yourself to try it. Yeah. Um, but being, you know, this TED talk style deliverer of information, not something you need.
0: Yeah. I, in my first course, never showed my face on camera. Exactly. And, yeah. And I think people were surprised by it because I used to be an actor and I'm fairly uh, active with my face. I guess not not as much as probably people expect me to be. But, you know, I'll do a will do an Instagram live. I'll, you know, in general, I'm comfortable in front of the camera. But when I was putting together my first course, the amount of work it took to get it ready to go out into the world um, was so overwhelming to me at the time that I recorded most of my first course, like in the middle of the night, because I was still working with wedding planning clients way more than I um, am now. And that was the only time I had. So I was like, well, I'm not going to get all dolled up at like one in the morning and (laughs) record myself. So talking to slides, you know, was what it was. And it was very successful. So I agree. You don't need to put yourself on camera. Now I will say in the mini courses since then, I will do like a video introduction with my face because I do think people do want to know who they're learning from But again, that took me like years to get comfortable with.
1: Yes, and you can also, you know, put that slide in there that has a picture of you, share a little bit about who you are, and you're still we're all showing up hopefully, right? If you're going to be pitching a course on social media and you're talking about it, it's on your website. There are lots of other ways for people to kind of get to know you than having to see your face on video and speaking directly to a camera. So if that's something you're not comfortable with, it's not a reason to not put your first course out there. And then, like you said, as you get more comfortable, build up to that.
0: Yeah. Okay. What else? What are the other things that people get distracted by? So in a similar vein,
1: I think is having that TED Talk or Toastmasters level of speaking confidence or having to have a recording be 100% perfect and, you know, worrying that you have to start over, you can't mispronounce a word, you can't make a little tiny slip up, something like that. It is all recorded oftentimes. And so there is the ability to fix that. But also, I think it's really human and natural to stumble over a word and then just keep going and acknowledge that and move on. And it kind of will make you more relatable in the long run. And it's, people are not, unless you're teaching a course on Toastmasters, you (laughs) don't need to have a Toastmasters (laughs) level of speaking.
0: Yeah, I know that there are mistakes in some of my courses, but I leave them in because it makes me, I always wonder if people think somehow it's like, so edited or like, or like we sound like robots or something, right? Like sometimes um, early in my, in my former podcast, Uh, I used to have another podcast called Rock Your Wedding Biz. um, And I didn't realize this until way, way into it. But our editor was taking out all of our breaths. (laughs) Oh, right. And when I listened to them, I'd be like, wow, this sounds so sort of sterile. And then later was told, oh, yeah, every time you take a breath, I edit it out. And I'm like, why? (laughs) I mean, people know we're (laughs) breathing, right? So I always think about that as kind of a little funny because it's like, yeah, we breathe. Sometimes we make a mistake. We hesitate. Sometimes, you know, I don't know, we hiccup like it's fine. Absolutely. I've, you know, been reading before and had to turn a page
1: and you're like, oh, crap, it didn't, you know, I turned the wrong page. I (laughs) said, you know, whatever. You feel like, I, I don't know, I found that in teaching too. And this is would be the last one to share is that you don't have to know all the answers. You know, as a history teacher, U.S. history is a very rich topic, and I did not know all the answers when my students would ask some really intelligent, amazing questions. And instead of trying to make something up, I would admit that I did not know and offer extra credit for them to look it up themselves. (laughs) Um, So maybe there's no extra credit on the table here, but the idea that you have to know everything is simply not true. Offer your own perspective. Offer to get more information if there are questions, but don't feel limited by the fact that you don't know everything there is to possibly know on a topic.
0: I could not agree with that more. I will say most online course platforms offer an area on each page under your video or whatever you're presenting to ask questions or to comment. And I find that that is very helpful in in me learning what might have been left out of these lessons that I didn't anticipate. But also, that's a place to answer questions. And sometimes the answer is, you know what, let me look into that. <laughs> You know, or does anyone else have this experience? Who else is taking the course? Like, let's get some like group work or group think on on this, and that's okay. Um, I think that's so powerful to 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 everyone know. Um, and Lynn, I'm so glad that you said that because again, I go I go back to this. I'm no expert. Who am I to teach? Sort of mindset. It's like you just have to be. And Amy Porterfield says this a lot. You just have to be. Um, she used to say 25 percent ahead of your. Of your student. I think now she's said 10% but you you don't have to be a hundred percent better than the people you're teaching at whatever you're teaching. You just have to be a little farther down the road. That's such a
1: great way to put it and that's exactly exactly right. I completely agree.
0: So Lynn tell us about your course.
1: Yeah, so my course is called the Wedding Client Experience Academy never one for short names apparently over here. (laughs) And um, basically it's all about creating an impeccable client experience from the inquiry through the final delivery of whatever your deliverables are at the end. So it covers four pillars. I call them pillars of client experience, which are communication, appreciation, education, and being a resource. Mm. And there are 10 lessons that are delivered that cover these four pillars in depth. And they're actually, it's an email course. So it's chunked out into visual bits, odd podcast style, auditory bits, um, reading and writing kinesthetic. So we're hitting on all four of those multiple learning styles we talked about when we first started today as
0: well. I love it. And it gets delivered into your mailbox. It does. Yeah. Oh, so it comes that. out
1: twice a week, two days a week over the course of five weeks. There are 10 lessons. And for the second launch this fall, it'll have a Facebook group as well.
0: Oh, I love that. I love the little additional group. I love getting everyone together to talk, frankly. I, that, obviously, I've named this podcast Talk, so obviously that's my, that's my love language. Um, is, who is it for? Is it for photographers only?
1: No, it's actually for anybody, I would say kind of zero to five years in the wedding industry that's looking to really firm up workflows and client experience and, you know, bring that up a level in how they cater to their clients. Um, so actually, I, we had um, a couple photographers in the first launch last fall, and we, I also had um, a planner and a calligrapher, actually, in the course. Which was really great So yeah open that. to anyone in the industry
0: love that lynn i'm excited about this i think everyone needs to <laughs> up level their client experience i think especially after the after what we've been through in this pandemic i feel like a little bit more love and care and attention uh paid to everyone will do everyone like a serious world of good right Oh, I agree. And hopefully we can get back
1: into um, not just putting out fires, but <laughs>
0: <Right>. anticipating <laughs>
1: anticipating needs and doing the fun side of client
0: experience. Oh, I'm a really good fire putter outer at this point. It's like my whole existence, right? <laughs> I think we all have to be at this point but it's a little more fun to be able to do other stuff too. Uh, right? I did a floor plan this morning and I was like, "Look, I'm back to work." Like, I don't know why it felt so blissful to be like playing with playing with a, a floor plan software, but I was like, it was just so much better than having to make phone calls being like, "Hey, I need to change the state again."
1: It didn't involve pivoting. So, right, it felt really right. good.
0: Yeah. Lynn, I love it. Where can people find you on the internet, Lynn? So I am mainly
1: on Instagram for social at Lynn Resnick Photo, and then my website is lynnresnickphotography.com, and uh, there's a page on there for the course as well, so you can kind of sign up to be on the waiting list for that, and check out all of the uh, latest work for my lovely soulmates. Love it. Lynn,
0: we're going to link to all those in the show notes, you guys, so if you're driving, don't feel like you have to jot all that down, because as usual, we've gotcha. Oh, online courses. Y'all, we're going to be talking about it most of this month because honestly, and I know I've said this and I know you've heard it, but I'm going to say it again. Online courses changed my life, not only taking them, but creating them. So there's so much possibility here. And Lynn, thank you so much for being here to share what was possible for you as well. It's just so powerful. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. It was such a pleasure. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Anytime, Lynn. We'll have to have you back sometime to talk about anything else, literally. All right, friends. Thank you for spending your time with us today. I know your time is valuable, and I especially right now. And I do not take, uh, I don't take it lightly that you spent it with us. So we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. All right. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast. And connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.